This podcast does not constitute financial or investment advice. It is for educational, general information and entertainment purposes only. Please consult with your own financial advisor before making any financial decisions. Cambridge University in England did a study and it said that children form many of their adult money behaviours by the age of seven which really shocked me when I heard that, uh, thinking about that age. And so it's so important to allow kids to be talking about money, practicing money, just because it makes it easier. We know that if you talk to kids about uh, money is just for spending, so they get some money and parents say, what are you going to go and spend that on? That just becomes hardwired. And then later in life, when they realize that money has other uses, they have to then change their habits and behaviors. You're listening to Banking on Girls, the podcast that explores the importance of financial literacy for girls and young women. And I'm your host, Marina Batmuala. Join me on this journey to uncover insights and inspiration. Hi, everyone. My guest today is Will Rainey, the founder of Blue Tree, a blog on financial literacy, which he started up to help as many parents as possible teach their kids about money. In his blog, Will covers some really great topics like the story of how basketball player Shaquille O'Neal went from poor to wealthy and the explanation for why diamonds are so expensive. Will is also the author of Grandpa's Fortune Fables, a book for parents and children, aged three to seven, with fun stories to teach kids about money. Will lives in Thailand with his wife and his two daughters, aged nine and 11. Welcome, Will. Hello. Good to be here. Will, you're originally from the UK, England, and you're now living in Thailand. There's an intriguing story behind all that, and there are even a couple of money lessons. How did you end up in Thailand? Yeah, sure. So I was in the UK working as an investment consultant, helping lots of different retirement schemes. And then I got the opportunity to move to Hong Kong. So in 2014, moved with that company to Hong Kong. And whilst we were living in Hong Kong, we got to travel around Asia lots and we loved it so much. Around 2017, I was just having a meeting with a client and they just casually brought up, I was talking about my daughters and they said, oh, I enjoy this time with them. They only grow up once. And whilst it's an obvious statement, it had a big impact on me. And I was like, oh, yes, I want to spend more time with them whilst they're young. So I said to my wife, I think we should take some time off the corporate world and spend more time with our kids. And so in 2019, we did that. We left and we moved from Hong Kong to a small place actually in Vietnam called Hoi An, which is one of the most beautiful places in the world, in my opinion. And so that's what we did. And it was really interesting when we moved to Vietnam to do this. Lots of people said, oh, well, how can you afford to do this? How can you take time off work? And this was from people who worked in the financial services industry and some of the clients who, who had money and were earning good money, but they felt they couldn't take that time off. So I felt a very fortunate position to, to be in that position where we had been saving and investing for the longest time that we then moved. So what I felt is I felt so lucky to be in that position. I really want my daughters to have that position as well. As my kids were in the international school, I wanted to have a project rather than just school sitting around. So then I started doing Blue Tree Savings, the blog, which shared stories of how I was teaching my kids about money using stories and analogies and games. And then, yeah, about three years after being in Vietnam, we wanted to go to a bigger school. And we, but we still loved the lifestyle, the culture. And so we moved to Thailand to stay in Southeast Asia. 
Uh, so yeah, we're in North Thailand now. And so yeah, it's been a bit of a journey and we've been loving it. Yeah. And that really is a significant lesson to many people because there's hardly anyone I think who would think I could just like upend my career and my lifestyle and be able to do something like that. It just sounds like a dream. Well, I remember when I told my boss that we were going to do this, the first question she said to me was, how did you convince your wife to, to do this? Because my wife, initially, when I proposed, it was like, no, no one else does this. <laughs> but after we kind of went through and talked about the risks, went through our sort of financial planning, like our budgets and how much money we had and would need, etc. She got more and more excited. And yeah, she's loved it ever since as well. Your blog has some really simple and clear messages with actionable ideas for parents. And I really enjoyed one of your recent blogs, and it's called The $5 University Lesson. In this blog, you talk about an experiment carried out by a Stanford University professor on his students. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, no, certainly. So, yeah, I heard this story and I shared it with my daughters. So a university professor had a class and she said to her class, I'm going to give you $5 each. And they were in teams of like three. And within the next few hours, I want to see how much money you can make with that five dollars so i asked my daughters if you've got that challenge what would you do and, and like many of the students they thought i'd go buy something and see if i can get the prices low and then try and sell it for a higher price and that's what lots of students did and i think on average they went from five dollars to about eight dollars that's not a nice 60 percent return on that initial investment but what was really interesting was some of the other teams they just completely ignored the five dollars <laughs> and they just said right how can we make as much money in that period of time assuming we have nothing and then that's when they started to become really creative. And so one team, there was a, a nice restaurant in the facility. And so, and there was always a queue. So they queued up. And then as they got to the front of the queue, they sold their space in the queue for, I think it was about 10 or $12. But then another team really went outside the box. And they realized that Stanford University is a very prestigious campus. And for a business to have opportunity to stand in front of the class and do a, a little presentation and talk about their business or maybe to get business or whether to get new recruits in the future. So they managed to sell their like three minute time slot on the presentation that they had to do afterwards to a company, a local company. I think they got over 600 US dollars for that time slot. And I just thought that's amazing. So creative. They weren't anchored to that $5. They learned how to sell or pitch their ideas to those local companies. So I really want to share that with my daughters to help them understand that there's lots of different ways to make money. Don't be anchored to your current position. Also, we know that people, when they think about their financial situation, it's all about their salaries today. And maybe I'll get a 3 or 5% pay rise and they'll slowly kind of work up from lots of different ways. So I really, I enjoyed that story and I loved sharing it with my kids. It's amazing how applicable those lessons are to real life just through that experiment. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think learning to sell is something, again, money's not taught in schools, but also learning to sell is not taught in schools as well. So I'm trying to find ways to encourage my daughter to think of those two parts. Now, your book, Grandpa's Fortune Fables, it's a really cute little story about a little girl who discovers how her grandpa made money. And what are some of the money lessons that parents can teach their kids through this book? Yeah, so the book's like 14 different chapters with different stories and trying to cover many different money lessons from investing debt, earning. But the key message for the whole book is what I call the three rules of wealth, which is spend less than you earn, or then invest what you save. And then the third one is be patient. But I try and use it stories. So it's trying not to be a textbook. So I've always used this analogy of trying to get children to think of money like seeds. 
And so straight away, they can see those seeds can be given away and that's just like spending and they'll get something. But then what happens if you plant this seed? Well, they know if you plant a seed, it can grow. And so we say it grows into these kind of blue trees and hence the name of the, the blog. And so it's, it works really well because they, they can visualize this kind of forest, financial forest kind of growing and there's so many different lessons. So the whole book is kind of premised on that analogy and it's got all these different stories about how kids can grow this forest. So in the book, it's grandpa, but it's his granddaughter sort of learning from him and telling her friend about it. But it's that we take those three rules of wealth. The first one is for every 10 seeds that you receive, make sure you keep one. The second rule is don't just put the seeds under the bed and the third one is that they know trees don't grow overnight. They have to be patient. And so with that kind of analogy, they can kind of see how the money, if they look after it, can grow and grow. And clearly there's all the different lessons about once a tree grows, it has seeds and you can plant those. You've got like compound interest and all these different lessons and stories within the book using that kind of analogy. Right. Yes. And the theory, of course, behind the seeds growing into multiple trees is the theory of, of compound interest where money grows on money. So that's a really nice analogy. Yeah, no, it really works. And it's it's so visual as well. So kids can talk about it. And they like the language as well. So when I'm talking to my daughters now, we still use trees and seeds, even though they know the sort of money terms, they just prefer using the seeds when it's more enjoyable. <laughs> so, well, I mean, you've, you've made some great decisions, it looks like, for yourself and your family. What were some of the major influences in your childhood that enabled you to have this vision of what you could be and what you could do? Yeah, no, so I was very lucky in the sense I, I did get to learn a lot from my parents. Not that at the time when I was growing up, my parents didn't sit me down and talk about money, but I do remember that my, as my parents, we lived in the same house all of my childhood, but I knew my parents were earning more money because our holidays would be slightly nicer, cars would be slightly nicer, but we always stayed in the same house. And it was a, it was a nice house, but you could tell my friends, they were kind of moving to different houses. And then when I finished university, so I was like 21, my parents just said, right, we're leaving our jobs and we're moving to Spain. And so they retired much earlier than their peers. And so when I was then doing my graduate job, I was working long hours. I'd phone up my parents and they'd be like, oh, we, today we walked around this nice little village. We painted the chair and we're living this really relaxing lifestyle whilst I was really doing it. And so I was always wanted to emulate that. I was like, all right, they, in retrospect, they told us that every time that they got pay rises, they just paid off their mortgage they had this goal of retiring early and so that's what they did so i didn't know that as i was growing up but then you kind of look back on it and so that really inspired me to look after my money because i've seen the benefits of saving because my parents did and hence trying to do the same thing for my children as well but to sort of show the role model what we're doing with our money that's great and obviously you got those money lessons from your parents indirectly or directly in some ways, what are the most important money lessons you think you have learned? My personal ones is patience. So I know there's lots of other ones about investing and making that money grow, but I still think patience is something that's not talked about enough in terms of it having a big impact. And I believe that people who are patient can become wealthy. And I think it's if you don't have patience, even if you know all about investing, the different terminologies, etc., if you don't have patience, then you're more likely to spend quicker and spontaneously you're potentially more likely to take gambling risks rather than long-term investing risks so i've always said to my daughters that you have to be patient but also at the same time making sure they know it's hard to be patient <laughs> especially when everyone else is 
sort of playing a different game where they're spending their money. And I know this from myself when some of my friends are buying nicer cars and maybe nicer houses or doing stuff and they're spending more of their money and we're like, oh, we could be doing that, but we're choosing not to. And sometimes that's hard. So we kind of talk to our daughters about the benefits of being patient. And luckily that we're getting them into the habit of doing that with their own money at the moment. Yeah, I remember seeing a graph of some numbers about Warren Buffett's fortune and how most of that actually amassed in way in his later years. And it was well after the time he was 65. And that's, again, the power of compound interest and, and just waiting. Yeah, so I love those stories. But it's also the other stories about, so you get the lottery winners who get rich really quickly and even the people who took a gamble on like Bitcoin and NFTs. Most of them, unfortunately, still don't have most of their money because it was kind of, they came, got the money, couldn't know how to look after it, and they lost it. So it's not just, it takes time to build up money sometimes, but then it's once you do to get that money, it's trying to make sure that money stays with you as well. I think there are two different skills that need to be adopted and, and patience is required for both of them. Yeah. So you're teaching your girls to be patient about money, not to keep up with the Joneses. How else are you raising your daughters when it comes to money? So we give our children pocket money or allowance every week. So every time we try and encourage them to think about what they're going to do with that money and make sure they've got. So they follow these three rules as well. So they are saving some of that money and we're helping them to invest that money over time. But we're also making sure that we help them to spend that money as well. Because it's quite binary outcomes sometimes with money. Some people, I'm a spender, I'm a saver. And actually, it's trying to find that balance. Yeah, Both of them are quite good at saving. One of them was actually probably saving too much. They weren't spending. They didn't want to spend. They were like, oh, we've got my forest. I'm growing it. And that's fantastic. But at the same time, we were like, well, you need to learn to spend. You want to enjoy spending. And I say it's it's trying to get to that balance between at least one out of every 10. If you do more, that's better. But if you don't spend, then you're not going to get that enjoyment. And then you'll potentially regret that later on. And so we're doing a lot of that. But yeah, a lot of it is just sharing some stories with them. So I spend a lot of time teaching them about games and what we're doing with our own money and why we're doing that. Or if I hear famous people, like you mentioned, Shaquille O'Neal and others, basketball players and sports that they're into and talking about that. And so we did MC Hammer, which has been one of the most interesting ones. But one of the key lessons is the mindset of money, because we want to make sure they're aware about the difference between like being rich because as they grow up and they're starting to learn a little bit more about social media and just seeing all this money being spent and potentially by kids not that much older than them and so we need to say well that's fine they might have that but you have to remember those ones who are spending might not have their forest in the background that no one gets to see (laughs) and that's the ones who are wealthy and and so really want my kids to be going okay i see what's out there but i'm different from that we've got our forest we're looking after money and so that's kind of the main lessons i'm kind of trying to teach my kids but using pocket money as a, a real tool because it, a, it does it every week but also allows them to make mistakes as well and i think that's a, a critical piece as well get their first paychecks make lots of mistakes and it's a lot more costly at that point yeah i like that i think the money mindset at a young age is really important how that gets developed and how they think about themselves in the future yeah and it's really what's really important on that point you might have shared the research before in previous podcasts, but the Cambridge University in England did a study and it said that children form many of their adult money behaviors by the age of seven, which really shocked me when I heard that, uh, thinking about that age. And so it's so important to allow kids to be talking about money, practicing money, just because it makes it easier. We know that if you talk to kids about well, money is just for spending, so they get some money and parents say, 
what you're going to go and spend that on. That just becomes hardwired. And then later in life, when they realize that money has other uses, they have to then change their habits and behaviors. So it's much better than we always expect. Yeah, exactly. So finally, Will, what advice do you have for people raising goals in today's world? So I think it's along that same kind of mindset around patience and time horizons. I always say to my girls that the two things that I really care about is them having a really good attitude towards any tasks they take on and kindness. But then make, again, making sure they realize that other people might not be playing the same game as them. So if some people are rude, it doesn't mean that they should take offense to that too much or take it to heart. Just stick with being kind. Being kind over the long term is going to pay off those people who are a bit rude maybe in the short term might get some short-term benefits but over the long term it's really negative and the same thing of having a good attitude whether that's towards school money people it'll go a long long way and i'm sure with those two kind of key principles in today's world they'll grow up to be fantastic women so will where can people find your work your blog and your book so the best place to find me is uh, bluetreesavings.com. So that's my website. It's got all my weekly blogs on there, but lots of other resources, both for parents and for kids. And then my book, Grandpa's Fortune Fables, is available on Amazon. So please do check it out. Well, Rainey, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Banking on Goals podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate the podcast and be sure to hit subscribe or follow so you can receive notifications of new episodes. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at bankingongoals.com.